Hey budding lawyers, welcome to the podcast. Today we have advocate Sanket Jha with us. Hi Sanket. Hi Prasanna, how are you? Good, good. Um Sanket is an advocate practicing in Bombay High Court, having good experience in handling matters related to environment law. So uh, and he is also a good friend of advocate Anshuman with whom we had recorded a fourth episode if you all remember on writing a research paper. I'll be adding the link to that episode in the description below too. So if you haven't listened to that podcast you must listen okay and uh, get him back to you Sanket so let's get into the past when you were in college uh, i have heard that you started getting paid for doing some legal task when you were in college itself i am sure uh, all of our listeners uh, law, law students and even lawyers would be interested to know what kind of work did you do so that you start getting paid for it in your college itself because most of the students do internships and stuff and internships are uh, sometimes they get paid but sometimes they don't even get paid and so can you you know how how did you do that what what kind of work did you do yeah, i would say it's more of a sheer luck rather than hard work on my end firstly because things actually take place not by your construct it's more of a luck factor that comes into play while being a law student as such because nobody wants to pay a law student let's be honest for getting a legal job done or rather get the job done and not pay at all if that's the anyway so as a law student if you get some work i would have preferred to do everything under the sun that comes to your mind i mean that came my way right from ipr related work which being end to end trademark registration and uh, writing some certain written submissions for the trademark work some commercial contract drafting for small scale clients incorporation work and some um, drafting some partnership deeds and notices so this was all uh, the work that i used to do while being a law student and this um, these kind of uh, i mean the payment used to come some uh, I, i used to get paid for some of the work some of them i just used to do for the for getting the job done oh okay so partnership deeds and notices we can understand there are drafts available you just have to make those changes uh, required and all but uh, regarding incorporation and stuff uh, how did you come to know about it have you like did you intern any in some corporate law firm before or like how did you do that i had interned at a couple of small law firms before in my first and second year and the major crux of my work back in law school used to come right from the third year so until then i had i had a decent network of at least law students who were working at different places at that relevant point of time certain advocates that i had come to know during the course of my internships and other certain other social gatherings and so on so all in all i had a decent network wherein i can get the job done or at least if i don't know the job then i can understand how the job is done mm. so work like this wherein uh, incorporation work specifically is not something uh, rocket science you can actually do it way pretty decently back in law school also people do it themselves not being i know of people who are not law who do not have a law background and they keep uh, doing the incorporation work on a freelance basis in that's the bread and butter so once you get the hang of it once you understand the work it's not a problem to get the you know repeatedly do the same task hmm drafting of the aoa is something that you can do back in your third year also it's not something that you think that you need to pass out from law school and then understand the work and then go on and do it a lot of interns also used to do the incorporation work at least in the at the back end back when i was interning so it's not such a fancy job that you cannot do it um, on your own 
it's very easy to do it back in your school only the only requirement is that you should know how to do how to do the work yeah. hmm. and to understand how you do the work you need to actually be very well networked with people who keep doing this work on a regular basis so that you are always up to date on whatever is happening on the procedural front and once you are up to date with that yeah, getting the client is the only requirement that remains and whether he pays you or not is a different ball game altogether hmm. depending on the kind of client you are sourcing so basically you are saying that at least you must know how to get things done and from where so even if you are not able to do everything you can get the process done and maybe uh, you can charge the fees for um, like consulting or something like that of course and you need to keep in mind that of course you do not have the luxury to charge as much as people who generally do keep doing this work and who actually have an expertise on this you need to understand your shortcoming which is basically one thing that you are a law student and the other party will try to you know negotiate very hard on that front that okay i'm getting i'm giving the job to you it's kind of a favor to you but then you need to hold your own fort as to what is the minimum charges that you can take from that prospective client and decide on your end if you want to charge whatever mm right so are there any other requirements apart from you know uh, knowing the procedures and the people involved uh, in that process uh, to get that job done do you does any other requirements come to your mind yeah, i think the foremost requirement is to keep upskilling yourself it's not that um, it's in our example if we are talking about incorporation only just knowing the incorporation and that is not the end of it you need to understand the laws around it you need to understand the corollary work that goes around it if there is an incorporation work what are the work is related to that work that a client might need so that is something that will keep you in good stead understanding how to file a trademark any entity would generally if you are starting a brand you would need a trademark you will apply for a trademark and this mm-hmm. is again not a very tough job to do and this is something that i learned luckily learned in my second year internship wherein i used to file a bunch of trademarks and write the written submissions and oppositions and so on which was basically end to end trademark work and post third year there were people who needed the job who need to get the job done and i and luckily i was there for it so yeah things work out but you know on the requirement front other than upskilling yourself you know you have to get people to trust you to do the job that is a requirement that people don't understand you know if uh, as a prospective professional you know as a future lawyer i need to understand that as a law student also i need to generate that trust in the client for him to give me the work and why should we, and you need to have the answer to the question as to why you and why yeah, not someone exactly. else hmm. right that is very important and that is very subjective that is not something that can be a you know copy paste answer that you can just give it's up to you it's up to your skills so always be prepared with such answers you know have the confidence to do the work once you know the work you'll naturally have the confidence and to land a client is the you know the last punch that is required people always forget the back end work that is required before you get the client you know understanding the work how to how to code your fees and so on and so on yeah and i think people uh <laughs> law students more focus on the uh, money which you will get paid but i think this process teaches you a lot like even if you don't get paid uh, you will be very uh, like corporate ready uh, once you get your llb degree you will be like you can start your own 
practice you can start your own work getting clients directly after llb otherwise what happens is people complete their graduation then they have to work with some seniors to learn the work they spend around an hour, one year two years or three years and then they start their independent work so if you start uh, doing such jobs from your college days itself then it will be easier for them to start their independent work just after their graduation right see again adding to that you know uh, money is will be always be a by product of the work you do and as a law student you have the i mean i speak from a position of privilege of course wherein you know earning money while studying was not actually a very big requirement for me it was something that happened instantly but you know there are people who actually need the you know the finances are more important than, than anything else but if you don't have that kind of you know liability on you or any other kind of responsibility on you it's always better to get you know to understand how the work, how how things work how understand the nitty gritties of the work and money will always flow as a by product if you know the work as a law student you land a client you know someone who needs to get a job then money is a natural extension of that and as a law student you have the privilege that you know uh, speaking from my uh, experience it's like if you, even if you are making 5 or 10000 a month as a law student it's more than sufficient you know you're covering mm. your expenses at least you know of course as a professional it might not uh, it might not sound too much but then as a law student you have that privilege you know to have that luxury yeah completely agree okay now uh, let's move on to your other stuff which you are doing right now so you have been handling environment related matters for a while is there any uh, motivation behind choosing those matters or you have something else in your mind see of course uh, i mean tracing back to how i entered environmental law it was something more of a personal decision for me because my uh, university was somewhere uh, in dehradun in the outskirts of dehradun so there was a lot of greenery there and i have been staying in mumbai for the past decade so when i returned after my law school to mumbai to start my practice i had landed a job back then in a small law firm so that was something that actually took me by surprise as to why i cannot adjust to a place i have been living for so long and that was mainly due to the environmental degradation that i could just notice after a gap of 5 years and having lived there you never generally see you know white scale unless there's some white scale destruction and all so i thought why not use my skills and the i had the luxury of just starting out from my starting out right after law school i had the time i knew i, I wanted what i wanted to do so i thought i'll give it a year i'll just focus on the area of law for a particular year see what i can do see what difference i can make and see if i can make it as a, one of my practice areas in the future so that was how i got into it i mean the motivation was this you know that that moment of actually being in mumbai and realizing oh this place has changed so much i need to do something about it and being a lawyer you know that's one of the best professions that can actually get the job done so yes environmental law was something of a decision that you know was happened in an instant so to speak it was not pre planned as such. so you were working in a firm and then you just decide to uh... switch from the law firm job to your independent practice in environment law is that like right. so i left my corporate law job uh, after 5 or 6 months from that firm uh, because i realized that since it was a small firm the best part about that was that you know you get a lot of responsibility it's not you i know for a fact that the major difference that comes across other than financially of course of working in a big law firm and a small law firm 
is that the kind of responsibility you are you shoulder in your initial years is very very different in the big firms you might be working on mandates on a on a very specific part of a very large mandate but in a small firm you get the mentoring one to one i was lucky to work directly under the partner there the managing partner there so you know there was no intermediary in between there was a lot of mentoring going on and in the five or six months i ended up in the second or i remember in the second month itself i started negotiating the contracts and the clauses and so on with other very very seniors um, on the other end of the i mean for the other party so that so the learning curve was very great that is why i you know i understood that you know if i can get i can i can do the job by myself also now that was the realization after six months and uh, environmental litigation was something that i was pondering about and then things just happened so i left the job without anything in hand as such and then i started out independently mm, okay so uh, see some lawyers uh, take up various matters various types of matters while some stick to a specific area of law and build their expertise in it even some firms stick to just one area of law like there are ipr law firms then there are you know uh, corporate law firms who are focused only on incorporation and mergers and acquisitions etc so is it easier to establish your practice in a smaller area of law or it is better to be open to other areas of law too so that you keep you have matters from uh, other fields of law too see again when you're starting out you actually don't have the luxury of choosing your own matters if at all you're not working in a firm as such if you're working out independently you generally don't have a luxury like if you're a first generation lawyer like me secondly it's certainly makes sense to specialize in a specific practice area and you know and build your practice there on because it's relatively better in the sense that you can focus on your capacity building in that specific area of law you can you can be an expert very soon rather than being a general practitioner you focus on one area for one year or whatever six months you know you are way, way faster than a general practitioner who is in the same boat and he is trying to establish his presence in that area so in that sense i would generally advise to be a specialist rather than being a general practitioner because in today's times it's become increasingly difficult for an individual lawyer to have a general to have a very good general practice you know and foraying into all the areas of law and with time specialization will be the key to your success you know specialized lawyers are in demand even now and few years down the line the requirement will be much more people are not preferring i i know from my limited experience that generally clients focus on you know specialized lawyers if you're they if they are now looking for a lawyer and there's a divorce case going on they would want to know who is a divorce lawyer rather than who is just a lawyer you know who is someone who is known for his divorce cases and so on so anyhow it's any day better to specialize rather than being a general practitioner that's my view but having said that it always helps to have a general understanding of other areas of law also so if you're not sure about i mean that is my advice to anybody starting out if you're not sure about the specific practice area be a general practitioner work into any number of practice areas that you think you want to foray into and then once you get your calling just you know dive into that specific practice area as soon as possible and the general practice will actually help you in having a holistic understanding of things but you can't actually continue for much longer independently you know working on general practice areas because as an expert you're not counted upon anything you are a general practitioner you work on 
five or six areas of law or seven, eight areas of law, whatever. But if there's a requirement of a specialist, that's where you land. Yeah. So, so how do you think one must start if like, uh, they must stick to one area of law from the, from the start itself, when they start their work after their graduation, or they must take some experience from other areas of law too, and then decide which uh, area they must specialize in. Again, this answer, I'll have to take a step back and actually question the relevant candidate as to what your goals are. If you intend to work in a law firm, if you intend to work in a very big law firm, chances are very high that you will be placed in a specialized team, except for some six, some firms, some of the big firms do a six month rotation of different practice areas. And then you get to choose your specific practice area. So in that sense, if you want to land a law firm job, in one of the big six or the bigger firms, so to speak. So then you need to start working on that specific practice area right from the first year itself. Because by the time you are in your third or fourth year, you will need to have built yourself a profile that matches that practice area, be it in the nature of writing research papers or in the nature of internships that you have done in that particular practice area. If not, if you intend to work as a general practitioner or do not intend to join a very big law firm and actually want to foray into different practice areas and are not sure about what you want to do after law school, then I would suggest that right from your first year, go into as many things as you can. Law school is the best time to experience different things. Nobody is going to question you as to why you did something. You can always say to diversify your experience, even if that was something that actually did not help you as much, but the experience helps you in some way or the other. So having said that, if you're not aiming for that particular law firm job, I think in the law school itself, you need to diversify your interests. You need to pick brains of people who are working in the area of law. You think you might want to go into understand from them how the work happens in the real world, how much divorce is the laws that we come across in our books and the actual practice. And if that is something that you're willing to work on. Once you get an understanding, you can always start working under a lawyer or there are other many other avenues as of now. This is a very age old practice of working under a senior lawyer and then branching out on your own. There are many, many other things that you can do and actually branch out very well. Right. But then again, you have to start out early. You cannot wait to finish your law school and then think, okay, I'll, join a general practice and then I'll maybe figure out and in the, and you see that in the five years that happened in my law school, I did not do anything for this to understand what I want to do. So again, the key is to start early as per my understanding. Yeah. Right. And as you just said that your experience will always help because uh, you won't get a matter, even if you are a specialist, uh, you won't get a matter only related to that uh, area of law. It will have some element of civil law. It will have some element of civil, criminal law, something like that. Matters are always like that. It, it is not purely be, uh, from one area of law. Of course, and even so, do add to that. You know, if you have, I do not necessarily restrict to one specific practice area. Again, I am speaking that from an individual lawyer's perspective. Is that you can have two or three spa, uh, practice areas, three, four max that you know, you understand, you understand the work, but then again, you're focusing on those specific two or three practice areas only. The Mm. reason I say so is that if one practice area, there are certain practice areas that are cyclical, say MNA, for example. So MNA, there might be a boom in uh, 
some particular months of the year or a particular year and there might be a you know a slope in the number of mandates that are happening in the legal circle for the mna mandates hmm. so then again if you have some other practice area that you can fall back upon in that particular relevant point of time then that will help you very much so you can branch out to two or maybe three but then again it's ideal to restrict yourself to those three only if you if restricting yourself to one specific practice area is something that you think you do not want to do two or three is totally fine yeah yeah and uh, if you are especially working alone like your individual building your individual practice then it makes sense to stick to two three areas of law only okay uh, so uh, what are the challenging aspects of managing and running an individual practice as you are uh, building your practice from few years so i know that you must have faced many challenges so can you just point out some of them see i think the biggest challenge is that as a individual practitioner you need to don as many hats as possible in your practice you need to be the guy you need to be the person who is responsible for business development you are also the person who is responsible for execution of the work you are also the person responsible for managing the finances and ensuring that the balance between your revenues and your expenditure is you know ideal in your particular instance whatever that may be so again i believe the challenge is donning as many hats that are there to offer as an individual practitioner and again the biggest skill that you can bring to the table is time management hands down that is the most important thing that you will need to understand once you start out your practice because you'll always have 100 or 200 things to do during the whole day but you need to prioritize what you need to do again so time management skills are something that are extremely crucial to build your practice hmm hmm and that is something that i find that people find the most challenging i mean more than uh, financial compensation and the uh, practice build other practice building things that you need to do time to time it's the time management skills are something that are extremely uh, they are they are a differentiator i would say you know, from the successful ones okay so regarding environment law uh can you say like is there a good side and bad side of practicing in environment law and if yes then what is it see i think uh, i mean from a go- i mean from a overall perspective it's environmental law is still a very david versus goliath story so to speak you know the, we always see environmental law as the good people trying to save the environment and then there are, there are the bad corporates trying to destroy them at all costs so this is uh, the general perception and uh, it is true to a certain extent of course uh, i mean most of the litigations happen around around this main basic story only is that there is uh, someone trying to destroy the environment for any project or you know causing certain destruction to the environment through their projects however good they may be and there are people on the other end who are trying to protect the environment at all costs and they do not want the project to go on whatsoever if there's even an iota of destruction so i think the bad side is that you know there's no balance as to with respect to this story you cannot bring these two people together and have a solution wherein both of them go off the table very satisfied there will there will always be one party who will say i don't know i got a bad deal i mean this should not have happened so getting a balance in the environmental disputes is very very difficult i mean even the judges find it pretty difficult to balance it out to have a you know, to do justice in the true sense and uh, 
the bad side i would say also add to it that uh, there are very few lawyers who actually practice environmental law so to speak people are i mean i know of law students who uh, still do not understand that environmental law can be a practice area that you can have in your kitty and the uh, thing only corporate law pays and uh, other financial practice areas are the ones that pay you again environmental law is something that people understand i believe as such the whole practice of how it happens that is where people are lacking in and we need to i think the jurisprudence of environmental law has a lot to evolve you know there's a lot of potential to evolve you have a lot of good supreme court judgments and all but then i believe there's a lot of scope for the whole environmental law jurisprudence to evolve as the corporate law jurisprudence evolved in the 90s with the liberalization and all that you know i believe there's still a boom for environmental law in the coming years uh when that may happen i cannot answer but i believe there's still a lot way to go i mean a lot more to go in environment so you are saying that mediation usually doesn't work in environmental law matters generally doesn't you know because the people are hell bent on getting their side of the story accepted all the way you know people are not willing to even back off slide off a little bit but then again that's uh, i mean that's a personal decision and as a lawyer you you need to ensure that your client gets the best result out of your efforts and i think uh, these matters are not so simple like someone is degrading the environment and someone is trying to save uh, there are livelihoods involved of people uh, who are affected by those projects and also uh, there may be cases where uh, the matters are instigated by other corporate who want that project or something like that it's quite complicated right yes 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 it's a very oversimplification again that, that's what i told that you know people oversimplify environmental law into a good versus bad practice and you know that's the how the case is supposed to go on but then there are many nitty gritties to the practice that one of which you mentioned is a very very uh, strict reality and a very harsh reality that you know people actually instigate disputes for their other objectives and so on but hopefully the story changes in the future and uh, people understand more about it that there's more to it yeah that's quite difficult but let's hope for the best <laughs> yeah so are there any books journals or websites you keep on referring to which you think are good to read for those who aspire to make their career in environment law generally uh, i source i mean i have an automated system of having uh, i source many things from many places related to environment law that generally come in my email itself so i have an automated system of wherever there there's no specific website that i would recommend but uh, having said that uh, for anyone trying to venture into this practice i would say firstly get all the bare acts in your knowledge i mean you need to have the bare acts at your tips meet the ngt act or the other all other applicable laws in environmental laws you need to know them and then to dive deep into them i would suggest go through any book any reference book that you think it's uh, the reason i do not recommend any specific book is that people may uh, find some of it to be difficult or some of it to be extremely easy or plain so it's up to you you can get a feel of the book there are many books are right now in the market pick any one that suits your needs and dive deep into it but the most important thing that you can do is go through the judgments i mean that is something that you cannot slack off on 
you need to be updated about all the recent judgments that have happened in the supreme court or in the various high courts or in the ngts that are going that are we have the different benches of so again reading judgments will keep you more in a good stead rather than uh, reading books after a point i mean that's what i believe judgments are the best way to go once you get a flavor of it you can understand the whole story behind why the judgment actually came through and what were the reasons through so i think more of a learning experience happens through reading of judgments as for websites and books that you can anyway google and get whatever you know read from wherever you can there's no hard and fast rule to go through some specific website and refer it okay fair enough see as you started working early from your college days itself so i'm sure uh, that you would have done certain things right certain things wrong and you were you would have learned from it so if one wants to start early um how should one plan um, any tips on that see i think the biggest mistake that people do and even i did up to a certain point is that you know i diverge from my goals identifying my goals as to what i want to do and what i do not want to do that is more important so understanding having an understanding of this in a timely manner is i understand it's it's very difficult to, you know to expect someone right into law school and um, having passed an year having finished his first year to expect a very concrete answer from that person as to what you want to do there's so many things to offer i mean the profession is so broad so wide so many things on offer so i think what the best thing that you can do for yourself and this is my suggestion for everyone is to identify your goal as soon as possible as to what you want to do if it's being a, if you if you are a judicial aspirant i would advise you to stick to it no matter what you know it's not you you don't have to be swooned away from the riches of uh, a law firm job or the other prospects that you have while graduating from law school i mean if you identify your goals stick to it and you know just keep on doing it no matter what yeah don't don't get distracted from don't get digressed if you digress from your goal it's not going to help you at all it's it's ideal to explore of course i mean but as soon as you identified your goal please please stick to it okay yeah um can you please uh, share an incident from your career which is very memorable to you uh see uh, the most memorable one will be i mean the ones that i felt the most euphoria from so uh, that was back when i had left my law firm job and started out i had a month uh, wherein i was doing uh, almost nothing and slowly the work had started to come in and that is when i uh, negotiated uh, i mean it might sound very boring but it was actually very good for me i felt very happy after that is that i negotiate successfully negotiated a contract with uh, for a client who had some goods to be exported to russia and i was negotiating with a russian lawyer who was i mean uh, was almost just junior to all who became a partner after two years i mean right now he's a partner in that firm so that was a, a very big high for me to you know to have successfully represented a client and getting the deal done through and you know getting all the blessings from the client itself Uh, for getting the job well done so that was very memorable because i had just started out and you know things like this you know you they keep you in good stead uh, on the in the there's a, this profession is very cyclical of course you will have your highs you will have your lows so in the low time you know when you think that you don't have enough work 
or things are not going as well as you have planned incidents like this you know you keep motivating you, you know if i could do that back then i mean that's what i think if i could do that back then i can hell hell do it now you know i can do a much better job and yeah so that's very memorable for me if you can uh, tell us about uh, the work you actually did like uh, because it was an international client you were dealing with so what kind of work was it so there was a without uh, i mean broadly speaking it was a very com- it was a commercial agreements there was a trail of commercial agreements that had to be drafted and executed and so on so the best part was that um, there are russian laws involved and the mm. other side is always trying to get you know the clauses that are uh, favorable more to them and not to the indian party of course and getting negotiating the those clauses and getting a sweet deal for for your client i mean that's the general crux of the work that happens negotiating the clauses uh, took a lot of time as such the finalization of the contractual documents was not something that took of much of time so i would say a drafting and negotiating of the commercial agreements was the broad baseline so to speak mm. if you want to go into more depth then uh, you know it involved ndas it involved sale purchase agreements and so on but anyway that's a broad line of it yeah got it so this kind of work you did it from like when you are starting phase of your career so i think that was quite interesting to me <laughs> yeah, no, see this is why that's the most memorable for me you know because once you once you have started out and you get such a work you know of course it's very it's a lot of i always say that you have to be very lucky also to get such a sort of mandate it's not just hard work there are a lot of hard working people out there there are a lot of brilliant lawyers out there but getting the mandates becomes a different ball game altogether i mean and i believe that uh, your efforts do matter of course but then a uh, sheer amount of luck is also very helpful and touch wood uh, i have been lucky on that front <laughs> yeah agree okay thanks sankit for this wonderful conversation and sharing your experience with us thank you so much for inviting me over yeah thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you like this episode then you must also check out other episodes available here and follow us here so that you don't miss out a new episode thank you <laughs>